Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Retro Anime Podcast. I'm your host Ian and as always I'm here with my co-host Lewis. Say hello Lewis. Hello. <laughs> I love it always. Uh, say hello. He's like, oh hello. As if I would never say hello to them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, this is now uh, our first episode of 2020. It was supposed to be the last episode of uh, 2019, but due to some uh, very frustrating technical problems, we're a bit late recording this. So which kind of leads me on to something I want to talk about briefly. This sort of carries on from something Lewis and I were talking about briefly. Uh, when we're talking about, you know, a new decade, so stuff will be getting... Well, a, a new... Um, you know, there'll be more anime that's going to become retro over the next decade. So... You know, a lot of the stuff that we talked about or we refer to, a good example being Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, you know, which we, we didn't include when we reviewed uh, Vampire Hunter D back in episode eight. But, you know, it's going to be 20 years old this year, um, mm. you know, and in five years time, it will be 25 years old, which is quite retro. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so all those DigiPaint shows that, you know, kind of, you know, that were very a thing of their time. Um, they're going to be quite old now. They're going to be quite retro. It's interesting how the uh, shift in, you know, as time passes, what, what stuff suddenly becomes retro or, or moves into the retro camp. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, like we are just saying about all those games that we longed and played for, everything, it won't be long until the GameCube from, what is it, 2001 it's released? Yeah. It won't be long until that's considered retro. Yeah, you know, all those consoles that will, will now become retro consoles. Yeah. <sighs> Idiom, which we reviewed in episode 7, will be 40 years old this year. I'm currently watching Sentai Filmworks' uh, excellent release of uh, Gatchaman at the moment, and in two years' time, that's going to be 50 years old. So, you know, all this stuff, it's me, you know, time's moving on. So it's really retro, you know, that stuff now, that's kind of really old. It's weird how this stuff moving on. Razafan, which I think was 2001, 2002, that's going to be 20 years old soon. So I don't really consider that a retro show, but mm. it kind of it is. Turn A Gundam, you know, that <clears throat> that's going to become a retro show. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's strange in the how the uh, passing of time sort of changes your perspective on, on these things. So, uh, again, before I get into today's content, what we talked about, Last episode, Blue Sonnet. We talked about the manga a little bit uh, and how the OVA ended. Just as we were recording, someone was releasing the manga on a scanlation of the manga online. Um, it's now complete, so I do intend to go and have a look at that. And at a later episode, come back to um, Blue Sonnet's ending. And, and you know, we talked about in the review, you know, was it ed- ended for the anime? Because it felt like it ended an episode too early, um, mm, yeah. So we'll revisit that in probably a couple of episodes' time once once I've got around to reading it, um, which then brings us on to today's smut. smut. Today's smut, <laughs> garbage smut. <laughs> so before we get going on this, um, you know, I, I want to say a warning: the first anime we're going to review, Dokushin Apato Dokudamasu. You know, it has a lot of very adult themes in it, so there will be some adult talk. So, you know, I just want to kind of warn that before we get too far in. Avert your ears, children. <laughs> so, in today's episode, we're going to review a couple of, and I say this in inverted commas, romantic comedies, and I really do use the term loosely. So, we're going to look at Dokushina Part Dokudamasu, 
and Starcat Full House, both OVAs from 1989. They both have very similar themes and lead characters. Um, I'd never seen either of these before. I discovered these through various posts, uh, blog posts years ago um, before uh, they actually got fan-subbed. And over the last couple of years, um, they've been uh, fan-subbed by, by orphan fan-subs. And again, <laughs> you'd never seen these before, had you, Lewis? So, uh, <laughs> no, no yeah. I have never seen or never want to see these uh, so, ever yeah. again. So I think it's going to generate some uh, interesting discussion. So um, why don't we uh, get right into it? Uh. <laughs> Dokushin Aparto Dokudamisu is a three-episode OVA released between May 1989 and April 1990. It was based on a manga by Takashi Fukutani, which was released between 1979 and 1993, covered 35 volumes, and got various sequels as well. Each episode was directed by a different director. The first episode was by T. Tachiga, the second episode was by Hitoshi Oda, and the third episode by Kuzunori Tanahashi. Production was by Nichie Agency, with animation production for episodes 1 and 2 by Tsuna Koba, and for episode 3 by Takahashi Studio. Uh, the title loosely translates as Singles Apartment Dokudamisu. Uh, it's never been licensed before in the West, but it did have a Laserdisc release in Japan, and the fan sub that often fan subs has released is taken from the Laserdisc. A brief synopsis Yoshio is a day labourer during Tokyo's boom economy. He lives in poverty and is a lecherous drunk who lurches from one romantic misadventure to the next as he comes into contact with various people and subcultures in Tokyo. So, where do we start with this one? Where do we start with this one? At the end, let's move on. (laughs) Well, you uh... know, similarly to what we talked about with the Giver, Out of Control and Blue Sonnet, it's very much a product of its time. So it's worth stating at this moment, episode one is a 15-minute story and episode two and episode three changed the the format so each episode contains two 20 minute vignettes which does work better for this type of thing so it does work better it absolutely does work better uh for this for this type of storytelling the same way like wiping a turd off with a leaf is terrible but then trying to wipe it off with you know four leaves is slightly better (laughs) so let's start with episode one which um you know, is hugely, you know, I found hugely problematic as a piece of entertainment. So the basic story of episode one, basically Yoshio and his sleazy friend Asamu, um, well, so Asamu picks up this girl, Yufo, uh, who's mentally handicapped and has run away from home due to family issues and kind of then ends up staying with Yoshio um, and basically, they just try to kind of 
sexually take advantage advantage of her. Both of them do. Both of them, yeah. And the thing is, and one of the things that makes this very problematic, so the scenario is quite believable, yeah. So she's a young girl with family issues who's run away to a big city and is pounced upon by, you know, a predatory man, right? Um, And and UFO's story is actually quite sad. You know, she's lost her father and she wants to be with him again, keeps pointing to him as a, a star in the sky and and after having seen her mother and and stepfather having sex um she thinks he was bullying her so she's run away um and she's now lost in this big city um and the thing is she's picked up by asamu who is a sexual predator womanizer yeah he's just a womanizer yeah um and sort of takes him to yoshio and then basically Yoshio's constantly trying to take advantage of her, um, which pretty much amounts to little more than attempted rape. Most yeah, of the it's, time. So, oh, you know, God. and it's just, it's just so distasteful. It's, it's honestly the worst. It's this irredeemable burning a pile of garbage. It's yeah, the first, the first one especially, the first episode where, um, I guess it's longer, so it needed to be a more of a concise story. Uh, there's no character development for the two main characters. No. It'd be ever so slightly forgivable if it was, if there was even more than a slight glimmer of, you know, <laughs> the male characters, you know, forthcoming redemption yeah, uh, and realization yeah. of their lechery. But there's none of that. It's like, oh, maybe, and then no, straight back on the horse. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, like, I wouldn't even call it underlying rape themes. It's 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 out there. It's like it's saying yes. Rape this girl. It's like, what the f... Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, it's horrible. It it's is. so horrible. And it's... the thing is, it's like all, you know, both Asamu and Yoshio, uh, I say, it's it basically amounts to nothing more attempted rape. But it's played for laughs. Each each time it happens, it's played for laughs. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes it really difficult. And, you know, it's a struggle to understand what it wants to be because UFOs story is quite is more suited to a gritty drama you know that whole run away yeah. run away from home picked up by a load of sexual predators and all that sort of stuff and you know and i don't yeah. you know and the ending to it where she you know tries to jump off the same building her father did you know that's but at the same time it's then overlapped with these horrible characters who meant to do this stuff for fun and for laughs um, oh, it just and it just doesn't work at yeah, all. Yeah, it's, it's like trying to be like romantic comedies. Like, there's nothing about the first one that's romantic or funny in any way. No, no. Like, there's it's it's it would make more sense if it followed her journey and the men that she encountered that were, were part of her hurdle. Yeah, and then ending up ending up with a nicer guy who's like trying to look out for her and yeah. him getting caught up in that mess. That would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, if it was yeah. a character, if it, if, it, if it was a character study of her, and we learn over the fifty minutes, learn about why she is where she is. Yeah, you know why, like her mental issues, and you know if you if you tied those themes that her name's UFO, that she's not meant to be here, like you know, yeah, yeah, is that if it followed that, it would have been a great first episode. And it, if the side, if the rapey themes were just a sideline <laughs> thing that Yoshio and, yeah. and whoever else was just like a character hurdle for her that existed for no longer than, you know, yeah. four minutes out of that, you know, the problematic 
timeline that she finds herself in. But it's not. It's like it barely follows her. It barely follows like it barely gives a second's interest to into her. Yeah. And for a minute of like, oh, okay, maybe she's going through this, and it's like, ah, I just got you. Let's bring back in the comedy. Go and try and grope her again. It's <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's honestly the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, there's other bits, this, like the opening scene where Yoshio's working in a glory hole for some reason. You know, that kind of sets the tone for this yeah. whole thing. And then there's another bit as well where... Oh, God, I blocked that from my memory. <laughs> Yoshio's looking at this poster for a strip club or escort or something on a lamppost, and he gets a hard on. These two girls, schoolgirls, see him and, like, run off in disgust <clears> when they see he's got this... You know, it's, it's just wrong. In it's, yeah, every everything's respect, just, it's just everything wrong. about it is wrong, and it, it's this irredeemable characters, yeah. poorly written, yeah, horribly, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can call it a product of its time, all you want. It doesn't escape the fact that no. whoever wrote it still, you know, <laughs> no. sat down and thought about this. Yeah, because in episodes two and three, so and then we get into these. You've got these four shorter stories. So in episode two, part one. Yoshio meets a girl with a tragic story um, in that every man she has sex with has died within a week. So Yoshio, being the desperate pervert he is, sleeps with her anyway and manages to avoid the curse, so to speak. There's quite a funny bit in that where he's trying to avoid all these things, trying to kill him, sort of Final Destination style. Mm. Um, and, there's, and his friend, Rokuta, calls him a cockroach, which is spot on. You know, he's a horrible parasite of a man who can survive anything. So, uh, yeah. Um, episode two is Yoshio and his friends um, go on a camping trip um, and then a load of Tanuki pay a load of tricks on Yoshio and, and his friends ultimately. Yeah. I mean, out of I guess out of all of them, like the episode, episode two is the least problematic. I think it is. Yeah. It's like, it's it, it, even though it's still the first part, the first uh, mini uh, story in in the first part of the, the second episode is still bad and it's still just really awful to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the second part is a lot better in the sense that it's like the, the bad things are happening to him because yeah. he's a bad person. Yeah, it's like if it's it's not got the strong character, you know, I guess creation that something that is meant to be a spectacle character study of people who are just bastards. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia is. You know, it's like a, the, the reverse of a sitcom. It's like, it, as long as the bad stuff is happening to him because he is a problematic individual, like, that's yeah. cool. That's like, that, that second part where the Tanukis are taking advantage of him, that's good. And it's like, he's that one guy in the group of friends who's always... Never doing any work. Yeah, he's the yeah. Layabout, yeah. And that like positioning for him in that episode makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and it's believable because no one else is falling victim to it. No, that's right. Because you know he is despicable. You know he gets drunk on the bus. He won't carry his bags. He wanders off, gets lost. Um, yeah, the Tanuki Only looks out for himself. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. the Tanuki pay the tricks on him, and he, you know, he ends up in jail, kind of yeah. thing, sort of repenting. That's great. Like, he doesn't have to have a character arc where he, no. he's redeemed. If him being a bastard means that bad things happen to him. Because yeah. it's just, it's, it's comeuppance. And that, that doesn't have to, you know, it's the same thing. It's just a recycled format. And that's fine. That's good. Like, a short story about him getting his just desserts, great. But 
Yeah. Yeah, because there's another bit in, in the, the first vignette where he meets the woman who, you know, where the men die after having sex with her. You know, she's retelling her backstory to him and sort yeah. of says about you know, how she got sexually assaulted by a load of men on a beach. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and there's this bit where he's like sort of appears to be genuinely shocked by that. But then there's an earthquake and they're under the table literally 30 seconds later and he's... He's, you know, he's literally molested her, and he's got her yeah. top up and her boobs out, and it's you know, and it's just, and it's just like, well, hang on, how can he go from that to that? You know, it's just again, kind of, it's distasteful. And then the third episode, which for me, again, in inverted commas, is the the best of the three episodes. So in the first part, this young couple move next door, and Yoshio is constantly sort of peeping on them, and. You know, he's even sort of masturbating in the corridor while he's looking through the keyhole. You know, these are, yeah. they're orphans who've come from the, the country and moved to the city for a better life. And then Yoshio uh, attempts to help them. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he gets uh, the, the guy, Karo, a job on the construction site. Um, and then he gets uh, Mami a job. As an escort, basically, yeah. <laughs> because she wants lots of money to have a better life, and and, and at, the, at the end of it, you know, Caro goes off with Yumi, who's this barmaid that Yoshio really, really fancies, and Mami ends up with a sugar daddy who, you know, looks after her, basically. Um, yeah, and that's quite interesting. There's one bit in that where when Yumi reveals that she's divorced and goes off with with Caro, you know, this bit where this sadness in Yoshi where he realised he's kind of been strung along a little bit yeah again I, I you know I don't he's not a redeemable character but there no. are little bits in this that are, you know very small attempts that try and create this um, character you know there's some sort of sad story to him um, yeah yeah he's like a tragic a like, tragic character cause. yeah cause yeah he, and yeah. I was going to say because there's a comment in that where he's at the end of that episode, that vignette where he's looking out of his apartment and he says he can't see anything from his apartment because it's surrounded by, and I think that's you know that kind of lost soul in a big city, and I think the next one kind of emphasises that because it's about some friends from the country that he grew up with and you know they've kind of mm. got in well, you know they've had problems and and everything, um, and there's a bit where he phones his sister back in the country and she tells him about what's happened and he's quite kind of sad about it. Um, and it reveals him, he's like this, you know, he is a simpleton and, you know, who doesn't know any better. And again, it's it's not, I'm not trying to redeem this character, but I think the there are, especially in episode three, little bits that it's definitely not as bad and as distasteful and as problematic as the first episode. And there are a couple of attempts that try, I can't even say balance out the character, but it's a bit more even-handed. You know, I think is a, it, it suffers from, it, is that you could take it to 24 vignette stories of, of him, you know, yeah. stumbling along, somehow making other people's lives better. Um, and you could not get out from under the shadow of the first OVA. No, I know. I, I completely like, agree with you. I completely the, agree with you. <laughs> butchered. Yeah. Butchered. It's so hard that it just casts this ever-long-lasting shadow of yeah. distaste and sourness that's left in your mouth so that everything you go in and watch afterwards featuring, featuring him 
is just bitter. Yeah. It just doesn't. It, you don't want to like. You've got nothing left in you that wants to go. It wants wants to watch it. Yeah. So everything, every every element of smut that follows is just amplified and just tastes just as sour. I completely agree. Um, and interestingly, for me on that being based on the manga, and the manga had been going ten years before this OVA got made. I'd like to know how. Well, I'm guessing the OVA, the the manga is pretty smutty, but I wonder how it smutty be, yeah. it is. And I wonder in that first episode, how much of the director sort of changed and made it what it was. You know, was that a director's influence? Because the second two are nowhere near as bad. Yeah. They're distasteful, but they're they're nowhere near as distasteful as the first one. Mm. I mean, the, like, like you say, the first one is just not even. It's not even palatable. You know, you can't. Not, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just. You wouldn't really. Yeah, it's just yeah. not palatable. It's just the last thing to watch horrendous. on Earth. You yeah. wouldn't do it. You know, and I, and I wonder how much. I, I mean, I've got that '80s OVA book that was released earlier in 2019, um, and and it is in there. But unfortunately, it's Japanese text. But one day, I'd love to try and translate that and understand because there's very little about this OVA on the internet. I couldn't find anything in trying to do some research, so. Um, the first episode feels a bit out of sorts. It, it feels like the, that was almost a director's touch or a director's yeah. influence. Um, again, I'd love the story storyboarding for it. Um, just yeah, someone yeah. signed off on it somewhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, there was some money behind it, so um, yeah, yeah, it's a real strange one. You know, uh, Yoshio, you know, he's just a horrible creation. At the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, he's he's not an unrealistic character because I've met people, some horrible people in the past who, yeah, yeah. you know, I can say, you know, when I watched this, I thought this was like that bloke I knew at university. <laughs> yeah. Know? But it's, you know, it's taken to extremes a little bit. Uh, it's an oddity because it's not etchy because it's way too gross to be etchy. And it, but it's not hentai. It's, it's neither. It's just really sp- bad smut um yeah it's yeah. just awful it's just awful the only thing i will say the animation being fairly basic but i did quite like the art style you know there was something about the yeah. way it looked i quite like from a from a production point of view but again that's not too to say go out and watch this for the animation because <laughs> i couldn't recommend this lewis i really couldn't no um i'd give it a solid zero out of ten yeah i mean it has to i can't rate it it's it's like even giving it a one would be sort of justifying a story yeah uh and i can't do it I yeah just i know it. what you mean it's it's just it's unrecommendable and uh yeah i mean if watch you it really at, have to if you really have to you know watch have it at a your shower peril. ready cold <laughs> hot cold to hot you'd never be uh, yeah. yeah yeah it's um yeah it's a strange one all right yeah, it's it's the worst. It's the worst.
So our second review today is Hoshi Neko Full House, or Starcat Full House, to give it its English name. Or Space Harem! <laughs> or Space Harem. Harem's in space! <laughs> yeah, this is a four-episode OVA released over six months in 1989. It was an original work created and directed by industry legend Noboru Ishiguro, who most Western fans will know for Space Battleship Yamato, the Macross TV series and Do You Remember Love Movies, and the first Megazone 2-3 OVA, and also the Legend of the Galactic Heroes OVA. And it was produced by Artland. Again, this is something else that has never been licensed in the West. It did have a laser disc release in Japan. And again, Orphan fan subs have used that laser disc release to produce the fan sub of it. Uh, brief synopsis. In a future where the supercomputer Eterna controls all of Earth's energy resource, an unexpected incident causes it to subjugate all of humanity. Seitaro Yari, a space smuggler, managed to evade Eterna, and along with three girls he rescues, must get to Eterna and free humanity. So, if nothing else, it, you know, this is quite a nice, straightforward and entertaining OVA. Yeah, you know what, if you're the kind of guy who likes to, you know, go, goes to a burger place, orders a cheeseburger, takes out the gherkins, and orders a vanilla milkshake with it, you're probably going to like this. <laughs> yeah. Because you're right down Main Street. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's nothing special, but it's nothing terrible about it either, you know. It's, no, it's, it's a concise, uh, straight story, nothing, yeah. it doesn't do anything interesting or new, and it doesn't do anything terrible or outlandish. But it just does what it does quite well. Uh, yeah, it's, know, it's so, literally, it's like, it's it's the main street of average space harem anime. Yeah, so Seitaru is this space smuggler who basically smuggles smut round the solar system, He's yeah. on a, you know, he's on one of his routine cargo drops where Turner, this supercute that runs Earth, basically, for some unknown reason, shuts everything down, moves humanity to the, basically, to the equator, and then Satoru intercepts a distress call from these three posh girls, rescues them, comes in contact with an alien, and then must go on and sort of save humanity and go to Turner and find out what's going on. So, the structures pretty good i thought you know it kind of makes sense it all moves along at you know a fairly logical pace in a fairly logical order um you know how he how he meets the girls the setup of the scenario i think is pretty good and then once the band's together you know once sato and the three girls and the alien are together there's a clear mission to to go and sort of sort out what's going on with eterna and you know, free humanity. So, it, you know, it all makes yeah, sense. It's, 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 it's all there. It's all yeah. the ingredients of a, of a grand epic space adventure. It's, yeah, like, I was, I was, I will say that I was worried going into this one because I watched it straight after. Um, <laughs> uh, Doko trash pile. Um, and, uh, and the first, like, ten minutes or so had me really worried. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, no, not this again. Please, I don't, I can't, I don't think I can put, no, stop. Yeah. Um, I was I was really <laughs> concerned at its direction. I was like, "This is not. Please don't do this to me." Um, but then it got better. Yeah, like it it moved further away from you know just pointless smut for the sake of smut, um, yeah. and used it to sort of build the characters' relationships. And then, then forty uh, so minutes in, completely forgot about it and tried to move away from it entirely. Yeah, so, so it's the quite... writers suddenly realise that oh, sh- we've got a <laughs> we've got a story to finish, and it's yeah, it's actually quite refreshing towards the end. Yeah, because I mean, it is worth saying at this point, you know, the first episode and a half is very smutty, 
Mm. And it's not quite as smutty as Dokushin, but um, Seitaru starts off in, as a similar sort of character um, yeah. as Yoshio does. But once they get past the space pirates bit, or have left the space pirates colony, uh, it should be said, um, then it kind of, it, the, the smartiness disappears. And it's much more of a, a young man with no, with, well, with, uh, you know, who's very inexperienced with love with these three girls who are quite inexperienced with boys, um, you know, and how their relationship forms and the development of the, th- the four of them, you know, uh, Seitaru and the, the three girls, is I think is quite lovely. You know, they all kind of, there's actual a, a proper, not a great deal, but there is some character development there. You know, they all mm. kind of mature as characters, which was quite nice to see. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I do, I do, I do think so. Like, I, I like. Actually, my, you know, they had to have the little robot mascot. Yeah. Um, and then they also had to have. Uh, they, obviously, they kind of just get sidelined and bandage their ship to the alien, this other alien ship. Uh, that's kind of like, I guess, the inciting incident for everything that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they realised that having this little lizard. <laughs> this this old lizard alien man isn't yeah. as uh, doesn't really fit a harem. No. <laughs> so they have him dying in a pod underneath the ship. It, yeah, somewhere in the alien ship, while he speaks telepathically through a star cat. Yeah. So it's like, of course, of course, he has to speak to. Which is which is a cute little cat with um, wings, basically, and a star tail. A yeah. star tail. Yeah. Um, yeah. The aliens quite amuses me. Um, there's. There's some bits where uh, Seitaru is very clumsily trying to talk to the girls or hit on the girls. Um, mm. And every now and then you'll just get this second long shot of the alien and you can see him kind of moving. It's like, what are you doing, boy? You know, as he, as he yeah, listens to yeah. it. It happens a couple of times in there. It's, you know, that that did make me chuckle when those bits come out. Yeah. No, it's, it is, it's got some comedy. It has got a few fleeting moments of, like, making you laugh. Yeah. You know, it's it's... Especially the joke at the first, because the opening scene basically is Seitaro in the cockpit of his ship, um, and there's porn magazines floating about and and crap floating everywhere, you know. And Mm. Chikaru, the the robot, who is by far the best character in this, he's really lecherous, really pervy, but because he's a robot, you know, he gets away with it, and he's really cheeky. Um, And interestingly, he is... um, he is voiced by Akira Kamiya, who voiced uh, Kenshiro in Fist of the North Star and Rio Cyber in City Hunter. So he's he's quite a big name for that. So, uh, mm. but he tells his joke at the very start, the very opening shot is the the first dialogue is him telling his joke. You know, it's a bit of a crash joke, but it's I yeah. it very very funny, and it made me laugh just as much second time round when I watched it a second time as well. So. Uh, and the thing is, you know, when you see him and his setup, you just think, oh, here we go. It's just another really misogynistic, sexist thing. But once it gets past the space pirates, as I said, and the bit with the the dad space pirate, the lead space pirate, you know, trying to kidnap the girls and everything. Once it gets past that, the smart and the seediness almost completely goes. Because um, that bit with the uh, space pirates on the colony, you know... There's something about that that felt really familiar. It felt really 80s teen movie. I know mm. it felt a bit Goonies. Yeah, it, it is like kind of 
thing about it. Yeah, it was almost like a... Uh, how would it... Like, a lighter-hearted space cowboy. <laughs> yeah, of, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's something... I, I don't know, it just felt... Space and, Western sort of thing. Yeah. Like, I think most of them share those scenes because it's all like... It's all the iconized um, spaceship designs and... Yeah. Um, yeah, all the... I guess the trope grand fantasy of, yeah. of space travel um, that kind of fits that... Hits that margin. Yeah, definitely. And especially the, the sort of head pirate and the daughter and their relationship, again, just felt familiar. Just felt yeah, 80, 80s yeah. teen movies sort of familiar. Mm. You know, I, I sometimes feel like the head pirate's obsession, sort of lecturer's obsession of these three girls is, again, it was kind of a just a mechanism for creating tension in that episode. Yeah, um, it, it serves no no purpose other than to... No, yeah. no. I mean, it's not... It's, there's, there's nothing that makes me sit at, my, at the edge of my seat. There's no... It doesn't build tension no. well at all. I, I couldn't say that there's any point in the film that, other than a few smirks and chuckles... Yeah, I, my expression changed in any in any yeah, way. Yeah. So I I wouldn't say I'm richer for the experience of having watched it, but you know I don't regret having watched it like I did the first. No, one. it's 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 uh, easy. You know, I, you know the, the whole supercomputer, you know, sort of having these protocols to protect humanity in certain. Yeah, we've seen know, it all before. It does nothing new. No, it, but it, it's, it just does nothing great and it does nothing bad. It's kind of plausible though, isn't it? I mean, I quite like yeah, the exactly, fact yeah. that it, it does this thing. You know, it has these safeguards. Yeah, um, and it's just know, like that, that one, that one safeguard that sort of just could easily be a trigger and react in ways you wouldn't expect it to. Yeah, I mean that that element I quite liked. Um, the convenience of the three girls all being from, you know, this sort of uh, really posh school on the moon, and all being daughters of really key figures on Earth who are really really integral to the. Um, plot development of the story um yeah it's like <laughs> it's destiny <laughs> it's really um, stretching plausibility um, yeah. i like I, my my favorite part is where the dad of one of them what's her name it begins with an m doesn't it um i forget, I forget the uh, idol's name it might be mayfa mayfa yeah the one uh, her father who created um the computer system yeah yeah the he goes yeah. Yeah, yeah, he he just shoots himself, but not even a kill shot. He just shoots himself, and then at the end, he's fine. He's like, yeah, he shot himself. Yeah, like, and yeah. Um... didn't even failed even to take his own life. The the git. It's like it's like because that wasn't even a tension building moment. Like, oh no, what's she gonna do? How's she gonna find out about that? She doesn't even know about that because it cuts away to her afterwards on the spaceship, and there's no way of her knowing that that's happened to her father. And you're like, oh, how's that gonna play into it? Maybe you know, oh, this happens, and it happens like. She'll have a breakdown. It'll be a big thing. No, he's fine. No, <laughs> he missed all his vital organs despite. <laughs> so it honestly served no purpose. Like, it's it's not bad and it's not great. Yeah, and because like Lara's father's the president, and it makes me laugh. You know, because living on the equator, that everyone's living in um, mud huts and wearing grass skirts and stuff. You know, it's, uh, that that setup I find hilarious. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I just find that really funny. And then the other girl, Jojo, she's just the ditzy, annoying one, basically. Yeah. So, uh. The lolly one. The lolly, yeah. Because <laughs> the other thing is that as well, especially with in the first episode, when you see Purin Purin, which is the a, the spaceship's AI. Yeah, you know, and her she's name's just, literally Pudding. Pudding. <laughs> and she's this fantasy 
girl, you know, perfect yeah. figure and blonde hair and all the rest of it. That's where it kind of sets off in a, you know, sets a you troublesome, off on a troublesome path. Yeah, but like I say, it does. Yeah, I'm glad it righted itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it, you know, it goes past. It carries on, and it certainly carries on. I don't think it's over long. I think all four episodes is about the right sort of length of it. But no, but you said it does. It does suffer from the double ending syndrome. Yeah. So, yeah, it does suffer from double ending. So, sort of halfway through, you get what feels like the sort of natural ending, and then you get another ten minutes of another ending before it finishes. And it almost, I think, would have made sense for the second ending to have been incorporated as part of the main story, and then the ending that you think is the natural conclusion would have made a lot more sense. I would have, I don't know, not maybe not made more sense. I think it would have just felt like a better conclusion. I think the story would have played out in a more sort of natural way. Because um, mm. I find it, I mean, I I do find it frustrating when anime especially does that. It's like, oh yeah, here's an ending. Oh no, we're going to carry on a bit. No, if we're not ending, we're going to go on. Oh, and here's another ending. Um, yeah. You know, Dagger of Kamui did it you know, that we talked about. The Macros TV show does it as well. It, I, I do get a bit frustrated with it. So, because yeah. it's kind of, it's... Uh... Well, maybe it's like one of those things where it's like, it's 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 created in that way that they've done that and it could be concise. But yeah. they add that extra bit in just in case they get the funding and it does really well that they can just have a good, you know, footing to launch off and do another three OVAs. Yeah, um, yeah maybe. I mean, I think... Cause it could this... be just a platforming thing. It could be, but I think given that this was Ishiguru, um, yeah. I think, you know, he was basically given carte blanche to go and do what he wanted to do with this. So, um, you know, I think it was it was a self-contained story, but mm. I think they just, yeah, I don't know whether, it, you know, the ending just feels a bit, a bit of everything. It's a bit rushed. It's a bit confused. It's yeah. not particularly... Everyone's fine. Pat on the backs. Yeah, it's not and a great ending. Curse um, you, big... Big robot company. Yeah. <laughs> One in the zero G tech. Damn, damn you, face And not asking nicely. Corporation. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, curse you. <laughs> space capitalism. <laughs> yeah, because it's exactly that, isn't it? You know. Mm. Um, one other thing I kind of want to talk about. The, the three schoolgirls, um, having read into this a bit more, because basically they felt a bit odd, and especially how they're used in the OVA, um, I think mm. basically they were a J-pop group who used the OVA as a That's demonstrator. That's right, yeah, they have a load of weird uh, segments of the OVA where they just start breaking into song and it's yeah. just so misplaced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I remember they, that now. They break out into full-on pop song and with these yeah, awful yeah. dancing. Um, yeah, so and there's bad. two instances where one of them, they're just kind of shaking, from, shaking at their hips from side to side. And then another one where they're just shaking their fingers continuously. I mean, it's yeah. awful. Um, it is bad. It's it is, so misplaced. That, that bit of it is kind of, yes, it's misplaced. It's bad. It kind of completely spoils the flow. It doesn't yeah, kind of fit it's right. Great. It, oh, it's it, awful. When they, when they get on the pirate ship and um, and everything's sort of like, they're like, oh, that pirate. We heard a song about that pirate and then proceed to sing song about yeah. said pirate for way too long. <laughs> um, and then there's other parts where it's just like the longest montage sequence in the yeah. world. Of them just having good times together. Yeah, I know it's um, it's very because strange. it has to yeah because it has to fill, fulfill the quota of of idol pop songs. Yeah, because they're not because yeah. they're not voice actresses. You know, no. if you if you look at them, they've done no other um, anime voice 
acting work. They they're literally there to promote the group or whatever through the ADA, yeah. through some sort of tie in with. And Ishiguro was a big name, so they probably got quite a bit of publicity. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a bit of a le- he'd done a load of legendary stuff by this point, so um, you know it was probably a good platform for them to try and you know jump off and launch their their career with. But awful flat on their face. I don't know. Yeah. What, did they do anyone? I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't really figure out. <laughs> Write in. Let us know. If did this pop know, group yeah. sing anything other than pirate space songs? <laughs> I would love to know. And if anyone out there does know, please you know contact us. Email Twitter at, at retroanime. Yeah. Um, Production-wise, animation's nice, if not spectacular. Got a decent level of detail and fluidity. It's quite good. There is a very yeah. It looks it looks clean. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it does look clean. You know, there is a very nice shot in episode four. Uh, uh, one of the girls, can't remember who, on the camera effectively pans round in front of her from one side to the other, and it's ever so smooth. And again, on the second viewing, it was something that kind of really impressed me. I thought that is a really really nice shot. Very short, mm-hmm. but the amount of work that must have gone into it. Um, yeah, yeah, very impressive. So, I've made in my notes. You know, it's it's a bit of a shame this kind of OVA is is missing from today's anime market. It's just easy yeah. entertainment. Um, you know, you can switch on and just watch it. I watched um, Animago's Kickstarter of Gunsmith Cats just before Christmas as well. And again, three episodes, ninety minutes, just really good entertainment. Nice self-contained story. Don't have to know mm. anything else. You can watch it. It's got a start. You know, it has a conclusion, which does conclude it. Um, and yeah, it's just easy watching. And, and I, you know, this type of thing, I think is, I, you know, it's something I do miss nowadays. You, yeah. you don't get this shorter OVA. Everything's thirteen episodes. You know, the, the model, the structure of the anime market has seemed to have changed quite a bit in the, you know, the last thirty years. So um, yeah. So, I mean, this is something I'd recommend. I don't think it's got a lot of rewatch value, but, you know, I'd recommend to go and see it if you want something that's sort of simple entertainment. You know, it's that sort of 7 out of 10, above average, but not great mm. um, sort of level. Yeah. We'll, see, we'll, we'll continue to see, like, the, the landscape change, I guess, because a lot of things are shifting towards animes as a service, like subscription models. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's pumping a lot more money into that. So having, like a Netflix-like service, I suppose, for that kind of content is is pushing originals. Yeah. Because I know, I know that Crunchyroll have got a few partnerships, originals, that they've financed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, yeah. Uh, what is the latest one they've worked on? Stoneworld. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 And that's that's quite well written. Yeah, but they yeah. are, like, it's, it's harder to find, like you say, those, like, self-contained OVO stories that are, you know, a, a nice satisfying watch or even just a quick binge yeah exactly yeah because even at 13 episodes you know that's 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 long bit, that's quite a lot of time in, you know to involve and, and this you could if you skip through the opening and endings on the remaining episodes you know you could watch this in you know in about an hour and 20 minutes you know yeah. it's, it's not long you know it's quite you know it's it's a short movie at the end of the day so yeah um but it's got break points where you can sort of jump in and out if you need to mm. you know it's not a big commitment so yeah I, I do I do miss that kind of three four episode OVA thing mm. it's progress Lewis it's progress it's progress so, so uh, did we give it a rating uh, I don't believe we did I gave it a 7 out of 10 did you oh yeah. okay well I'd probably give it a 6 yeah it's just very average 
Yeah. Main Street. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So that brings us to the end of our reviews for this episode. So uh, next episode, we are going to do the final part of our Ghoul Force retrospective, where we will be reviewing 10 Little Ghoul Force, Scramble Wars and Ghoul Force The Revolution. And hopefully we'll be joined by a special guest to talk about all things Ghoul Force with us. Where you can find us. So you can find us on Twitter at RetroAnime. Uh, you can find the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, Overcast FM, Podbean, Castbox, Podcast Addict, Pocket Cast, and most podcast hosting services by searching for Retro Anime Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and leave us a review. It does help us with visibility on all these sites. We have a website, RetroAnimePodcast.com. You can contact me by email, ian at retroanimepodcast.com. I'm a fairly active user of the Anime UK News forums, where my username is Orgun. Also, check out my Mecha podcast, Retro Mecha podcast, at Retro Mecha on Twitter, the same hosting sites. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast, Lewis. Indeed it does. Right. So, in four weeks' time, we will be going to Japan, Lewis. We will indeed. So, food, yeah, more food, sake, a bit more of culture, food, bit of culture, mecha, yeah, bit of Pokemon, yeah, more mecha, <laughs> bit of aquarium, yeah, bit of Kobe beef, yeah, <laughs> mostly culture, <laughs> yeah. bit of uh, okonomiyaki in Hiroshima, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah so, street food and uh, food just in general, yeah. So yes, looking forward to that. Um, so I'm not sure we'll get another one before we go. So we'll probably, episode 21, the Gulf Force episode, will probably be after we get back from Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, yes, interesting discussion. So uh, Indeed. Uh, yes, very, very uh, sort of interesting anime, really. Um, definitely the first one, Dokushin. Very very hard. It's a no watch. It's, 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 it's no one of those. Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't you can't watch it. But if you do have to watch it, just be prepared. Just don't watch it with anyone around and have a cold shower afterwards. Yeah, it's like those. I know a lot of podcasts use this. You know, we watch the bad anime, so you don't have to. And uh, you know, we've we've uh, taken one for the team there, definitely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's yeah, yeah. Well. Until next time. Until next time, indeed. (laughs) Take it easy, Lewis. See you soon. Uh, Bye, everybody. Bye.